ain't making nothing new If you wanna just sample But I'm telling you, you gamble You ain't even writing one strong song You ain't even writing nothing to hold on Late at night, you wanna watch TV Lean back and play a little Stevie Step, play the music, play the music
You're listening to Ink Studs. Oh. Sorry about that. That was a fail. I'm sorry, I failed everyone. Pause. There we go. I'll restart that. You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm your host, Robin, the guy that's been hosting the show. You know what? I think it's been almost to the date, exactly eight years now, I've been doing Ink Studs. I actually knew that, and, and that's why I came out here. As Did you? A, as a surprise to celebrate this grand achievement. Why, so. are, you, why are you screwing with me, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> that would be my special guest this week, my uh, good friend Joe Keating, all the way up from Portlandia. Don't call it that. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I called it that before the show because of the wonderful statue. Uh-huh. That's Portlandia. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't know about the statue, and uh, a friend told me about it on a trip down there for Stumptown one year. your friend Kerry Brownstein? <clears throat> uh, no, it was Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. Yeah. yeah, I saw him uh, only once in Portland, and it was after, I think, The Dark Knight Rises. It was uh, pretty, yeah. So that's all I know about you got to have more of that story. Like, you you were, you were both went to see The Dark Knight Rises. Did he jump up in the middle of the movie and, like, go, my God, this movie makes no sense, but it's pretty. No, you're missing the point of this Joe story. The Dark Knight Rises is what it calls it when he exposes people. <laughs> he exposes himself to criminals to break up crimes. It's, it's a little bit of community service that Joe does for Portland. Landia. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> that was Brandon. Uh, Brandon will be helping with the uh, hosting duties today, as well as we're joined by Brandon's uh, local, our latest guest of Bradward's home for Wayward Boys, Ash. How you doing, Ash? Doing okay, Robin. Thank you. I hope I, it's okay to call your your home that. I mean, you have Joe and Ash staying there right now. I have I have a Wayward lady show up there sometimes too. That just didn't sound appropriate. Joe, thank you for coming up here. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You you came up early. Uh Joe, part of the reason I'm having Joe on today, um Brandon stop that. <coughs> Don't intimidate my guests. Uh part of the reason I had Joe come in today uh is Joe is in town, Joe Keening. I keep saying Joe. I, f- I feel like it's not enough to say when you say Joe because it could be any guy. That's true. You say Joe. Uh, Joe Keening is up in town today, uh, well, this weekend, to do the Heritage Hall Comic Convention on Sunday uh, mm-hmm. at Maine and between 15th and 16th. Um, this is, what, your third time doing uh, one of those cons uh, or second? I think it's my second time. Last time I came up here with another good friend of the show, I assume, Mortet. And, uh, he refuses to come on. Does <laughs> he really? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I also refuse to have someone on the show that lies. <laughs> well, he bends the truth. He, yeah. he, I would say he's just more in his own reality. Right. No, yeah, it's true. Um, I love you, Justin, uh, a.k.a. Mortet, uh, but I don't trust you. Um, so Joe's coming up, uh, f- or is here for the con. Um, your latest book right now is, you've got the Hulk. Marvel Knight Hulk. Yeah, yeah, Marvel Knight yeah. Hulk. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hulk goes to France. Hulk goes to France. It, I yeah. feel like it's almost like, uh, when I say that, it's like, uh, what was the, the vacation movies? <laughs> the National Lampoon. National Lampoon. Yeah. Is National it kind of like that with the Hulk? It pretty much is. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. That's, that's pretty much it. That's my pitch. <laughs> You just showed up at the Marvel office in New York. Okay, <laughs> here we go. So the Hulk goes to France, tries to go to Euro Disney. It's pretty good. Euro Wally World. Yeah. Euro, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. they didn't oh, have the man. rights. Yeah. It's been a while. I'm sorry, Joe. It hasn't for me. I watch those shows all the or the movies all the time. Yeah. It's called research. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, I was uh, <laughs> I was we were in a coffee shop earlier, and I was making I was like Joe, you work on the Hulk, and he's like, yeah, and I was like. 
does does he have nipples in your comic? And Joe's like, I don't know. And he looked up and he's like, no, he doesn't. So I, my, here's my theory. I don't know. I've only looked at the recent uh, the recent images that Joe has. I think go when, on. <laughs> I think when Doctor Banner transforms, he loses the nipples. I when I worked in a comic store, uh, one of the fellows that was part of the store would make <laughs> models, and he was obsessed over figuring out whether or not the Hulk was an innie or an outie. I use an innie. No, yeah, All the way. Yeah. Your Hulk is an innie? Oh, yeah, I am, man. What I about Red Hulk? Red, Red Hulk does not appear in my four issues. I don't know what his deal is. Joe refuses to acknowledge <laughs> the existence of Red Hulk. Isn't he from a different planet? No, that's... Uh, no, it's, it's it's General Thunderbolt Ross oh. transformed into Red Hulk. Wow. And Red She-Hulk is Betty Ross. What's up? <laughs> Official handbook of the Marvel don't, Universe sitting don't, right here. Don't run out of ideas when you do Marvel Comics. Thanks, Brandon. There's, there's plenty Appreciate still there. There's, there's Think of all the other colors of Hulks you could do. <laughs> all right. Uh, now, one of the reasons I like having Joe on is uh, Joe's also been a big supporter of the Ink Studs, and I'm hoping I can uh, return the favor. Oh, um, sure. One, one, one hand scratches the other or something. I don't, I don't know how the phrase goes. Um, Joe actually came up to uh, the book launch I did here at Blim many years ago, and he's wearing a Blim sweater right now. Well, I think that was at Floating World, wasn't it? No, the one in Vancouver. Oh. You came up for. Oh, right. And I loaded yeah. you up with Beaver Buzz. Yeah. Well, that was a good trip. That was some time ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's cool. I mean, you know, I, I, we're talking on the, the way over here. You know, there's not a lot of uh, venues to, you know, here. Al Columbia and Jeff Darrow on the same podcast, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, that's the thing. It's like uh, with me in comics, I was just uh, writing about this earlier uh, this week, where I've never understood, like, I read this type of comic. Like, I read just X-Men, or I read just Love and Rockets, or I read just this. Like, uh, so I like having uh, a source where, you know, I mean, it covers a lot of different ground, you know, uh, whether it's Euro Comics guys or... You know, uh, I mean, that Columbia interview, I think, is one of the, the, the best things I've heard in a really long time. Thanks, so, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I'll so, give you some money for that later. Yeah, yeah. That's much appreciated. Um, now, we've we've talked a lot personally, so it's going to be one of those interesting conversations where I kind of navigate that. Uh-huh. And one of the things to think about is uh, knowing you, Joe Keating, is comics are kind of core to who you are. No, it's not kind of. It, it's it's. I mean, I have other interests for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I do love movies and I love historical. You know, I mean, history. I guess I don't know. Um, I read a lot. <laughs> Brandon Graham's being a really unhelpful guest, but uh, you know, <clears throat> a lot of movies. I'm really into music. I've got, but comics is is everything to me. When it comes down to it, it really is. Um, you know, my number one love. It's the thing that that really built. Um, like why I wanted to write stories um, and how I wanted to write stories. I mean, I'm not making comics so I can make, you know, my TV show pitch or whatever. I really just want to write comics to write comics. Um, I don't even remember how I, I got into them. They were just always there. They were, they've, been, they've been around my house my whole life. No one in my family read them. They don't even know where they came from. My theory is that, uh, you know, I think uh, Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joes were packaged with comics in America. I don't know about here in Canada. But uh, if you even know what GI Joe is, <laughs> uh, they're the <laughs> or, uh, nationalist. Do you have, like GI Mounties or something like that, as opposed to GI Joe. No, we we, we like grew up with GI Joe. Snake. Who doesn't love Snake Eyes? <laughs> Brandon, you, you better who not. Doesn't love Snake Eyes. Cobra. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But uh, so I I, I I don't know. And so I've always and and it's not like I said. It's not just one. It was never just one type of thing. I grew up in uh, in part in Santa Monica, California, and there was a couple comic stores, including Heidi Ho Comics. That just had everything, 
Um, the shirt I'm wearing today is a, a Mickey Rat shirt. And I remember as a kid, like the thing about Heidi Ho comics, they had everything and it was all next to each other. It wasn't all separated out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'd have, you know, whatever, Eric Larson, Sinister Six run right next to like a stack of Mickey Rat comics. And I remember seeing them, seeing Mickey Rat, the cover of that, and just being like disturbed but fascinated by it. And um, I mean, there was stuff I I never, but see, I never knew it was Euro Comics. I never knew it was Underground or whatever arbitrary and I frankly feel irrelevant label you want to put on it. Um, and so, and the, the, the biggest one though was at my uh, my local library. My dad always forced me to rent something, and I would, so I, I, to get around it, I would just rent out the same Spider-Man versus Venom trade <laughs> over and over and over again. That's the uh, the Todd McFarlane. Yeah, the Todd McFarlane run. And but one day it was reported as stolen. There was only one other comic book there because they had like Calvin and Hobbes, which I did like, and Peanuts, but those were comic strips. Like I, that was the only thing I ever made distinction on with the comic strip or comic books. But the only other thing that they had was Mouse. And so I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll pick this up. I don't know what the heck it is. And I picked it up, and that was really, like, uh, transformative on my on my brain, how I process stuff. So then, yeah, when I would start going to IDO, I would just pick in whatever. And, I mean, like, I saw stuff I didn't realize till what, what it was till later, um, stuff I became obsessed with uh, much later in life, like Hugo Pratt or, or Mobius or, or, or whatever. But, yeah, it was all just there. So, anyway, I mean, yeah, I remember growing up and people would talk about what they want to do when they get older and when people would tell me I like I want to be a I don't know whatever a doctor or whatever I'd be like do you know you know you can write comic books like that's like a thing you can do like well, I don't know why would you like I couldn't I seriously couldn't process why you'd want to do anything else so yeah it's for true now you didn't just jump in and immediately start writing comics though no no well my thing was um uh, well, professionally, I mean, I always wanted to write comics. Like, I, when I was 10 years old, I tell a story a lot, so I'll, I'll make it brief, but I read uh, Spawn number 10, and it was the issue that Dave Sim wrote because Todd's whole thing was people were criticizing his writing. Writers were good. He's like, fine, I'll, I'll hire all the best writers in comics. Uh, and so he hired, you know, Frank Miller and Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and all these guys, Neil Gaiman. Uh, they don't really work out too well for him. But uh, what did work out well was he did an issue that was written by Dave Sim. That was a really weird issue, and it was all about like what creator-owned comics means and whatever. And I didn't understand it at first, but as I went on, I, I realized it was you know, talking about that human beings make these and everything. So when I read that, I was like, oh my god, like like I can make these. It's not just coming out of this ether, this magic or whatever. Um, so ever since then, I wanted to do it. But yeah, as I got older, I kind of became, you know, jaded with the idea that just doesn't happen to people or whatever. Uh, until I was living in Portland the first time. And uh, uh, my girlfriend at the time was going to move to San Francisco, and I was really depressed with uh, with college. And she was like, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, it's always comics, but that just doesn't happen." Um, so she was like, "Well, why don't you move to San Francisco with me and do comics there?" And I said, "No." And again, my dad, um, who was never the type of guy to say stuff like this, was like, yeah, "I think you should do it. Like, look, go to San Francisco, try comics out. If it doesn't work, then you go back to school, and you're in San Francisco in your 20s. Like, how? And that's that's not that's not bad." So I went, and um, the first gig I ever got, a friend of mine was um, drawing a, a Freak Force backup in Savage Dragon, and he needed a color flatter. And so that was my first gig. And from color flatting, I got to know people, and I got to eventually, I mean, this is, this, I'm skipping over a lot of stuff because I tell a story a lot. Um, I got hired at Image Comics, and I did everything from basically, like, people laugh when I say this because the idea is kind of ridiculous, but, like, the mailroom boy at Image, to then I did, like, scheduling, printing, distribution, 
and market like over this is over years. I mean, this is almost a decade I spent there. Oh, not that long. Maybe like six years, seven. Years. You're not that old, Joe. I'm not that old. I'm getting there. Getting it's not there. like you're as old as Brandon here. Yeah, it's true. He's old. Um, I could hear what you guys are saying through my ear horn. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and I mean, I loved it all. Like, it was fun. I just knew that what, what it got to be very quickly wasn't just I wanted to write comics, but I wanted to help create comics and help other people create comics. Like, one of the things I did do at Image was a, f- a friend of mine at the time and I started an anthology called Popkin, and that was just like, I was seeing all this cool shit, and I was like, I, I want this to exist. Um, and, you know, we just I just put stuff out. And to this day, like... Uh, I'm going to be helping out uh, a creator whose stuff I like a lot. It's a cartoonist and I, who I met when I was in Angoulême. And I'm just basically helping them editorially <coughs> just making this stuff happen, you know. Um, that's it. I just, like, I want help comics exist. And then what it has become for me is, yeah, writing has become my primary thing. And I don't know. I just think it's the best way to do storytelling these days. I mean, with movies, I think it's so restrictive. You need to, to get any distribution, you need to pay $120 million just to make it. And then 120 million to market it and distribute it, and to me, it's like that just saps all creativity with a, with a you know, treasured few. But I mean, anyone at this table um, can go home, or uh, listening can go home and make a comic and publish it. And I don't know if it'll be successful, but you know, they can do it. And I, I don't know. I, I, I find so much creative liberty. Like um, with my newer creator-owned stuff coming out right now. I'm trying to make it difficult to make it into a movie because I'm, I'm playing a lot with uh, the artists and I'm working with, um, we're all playing with the form a lot and making it really like, like showing for, for, for us, like what we love about comics, you know? Um, and you know, where we want to see at least our stuff kind of going. So, yeah. I think I'm going to do a quick music break. Okay. I'm going to get you to, um, cause I forgot your code. We're not going to, uh, speak your code over the, uh, their airways for all of Vancouver listen. Uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes. Uh, I'm sitting here with Joe Keating and uh, Brandon Graham's being very patient and quiet, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of things to say once we get back from the music break. Do you have something you want to say now, Brandon? No, no, I'm cool. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on a comic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll be right back. You got it, Joe? Yep. Press play. <laughs> you build bombs, you're familiar with explosions The flat palms of the holiday But there's slime crawling back up from the ocean You can't keep everyone at bay Gamma Ray Gamma Ray It all starts in our failure It all starts with a great big bang And guess who's gonna have to play the jailer And guess who's gonna lead the chain gang
that you cannot help but foster There's some weakness you can't forgive And from that you can turn it to a monster A nightmare that you force yourself to live Apparently we had a hot mic there while Brandon was saying inappropriate things, so I apologize to the city of Vancouver and all the listeners here. Um, the light thing on the dashboard on the board here isn't lighting up, uh, but apparently we did very well at the last uh, fundraiser here on CITR, um, so we're getting a new board, so hopefully at that point it will light up <laughs> and we won't have Brandon's inappropriate things coming on air. <laughs> because he'll never say anything inappropriate on air, right, Brandon? Uh, I'm a kitten. No, it's not <laughs> now, one of the things we're talking about is, uh, Joe, you were talking uh, a bit about um, helping folks and working sure. with folks. Mm. And part of the reason Brandon is here, and Brandon can jump in now, uh. politely, <laughs> is uh, I know you were really supportive towards getting King City at Image. Right. And uh, same with uh, James Stokoe's... Uh, sure. You know, uh, Orkstein. Yeah, Remember Marian's that comic? Beast and, yeah, and Ma- well, you are Marion's Beast, but that's something else. Uh, <laughs> hey Oh, I, I wish I thought of that one like three years ago. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about that relationship there uh, between you two and kind of the support you got from Joe. Well, I mean, I, I should back up a little bit. I mean, I just, I, I feel it's really important and essential to pay it forward because I had a lot of help from guys like Eric Larson and Eric Stevenson and Moritat when I was coming up. And without those, without and a bunch of other people too, and without their support, and one thing that, you know, uh, Moritat really, really uh, put uh, Tommy was you really, really got to keep it going. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, um, and and Moritat is is really like he's almost the comic book godfather of our scene. Well, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I, I mean, <clears throat> he uh, wasn't for him. I don't know that we would have met at least at the time we met, because as I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong. The first time I met you really briefly at an Emerald City Comic Con, I bought a copy of Escalator from you, but I didn't really. I just thought it looked cool, uh, but I don't think we really talked because I knew Corey a bit at the time. But as I recall, the next time I met you was when he drove us all to that pizza place, right? Yeah, we met at a pizza place. Me and Corey Lewis and and Justin Mortad and 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 Joe. You guys shared a pie. We did. We shared a pie, and then it was funny because Justin Justin was like, all right, everyone brings some copies of whatever you're working on. And then uh, I think Corey at the time was brought Stab Kids, and I don't remember what I brought. And then, but, but, but Brand- <laughs> did he really do a comic called Stab Kids? I think so, right? Corey. Called? But anyway, it was, like, it was like a mini comic. Jesus and then Brandon, who I don't really know, is, is like, here's my comic, and it was Pillow Fight. You know? <laughs> so it was just like, I was For like, those that don't know, it's an adult-oriented comic yeah. with... Uh, yeah. erotic tones. And it was like that scene in Step Brothers. The moment I saw it, I was like, do we just become best friends? Yeah, so. no, we did become... But, <laughs> yeah, uh, Pillow Fight is my um, 
erotic uh, lesbian schoolgirl comic made for no lesbian to ever set eyes on. <laughs> please, please, no. Um, but then, you've since grown up, huh? I, you know, it, I. The reason I can get on my high horse and be so pompous is that is that uh, I uh, have, you know, I came from from uh, doing porn comics and and I've learned. You're, the you're, error you're, of my ways. I was waiting I for you to say you come from the streets, but uh, Joe was saying something. Yeah, well, I mean, and so that's how, and to get to know, see these guys' stuff, I mean, that's what became, that's what led to all that, you know, it was just uh, seeing cool stuff, and I forget what I was doing in the image at the time, I feel it was pretty early on, I think I was leaving just doing traffic management stuff. I think you were promotions. Was I promotions then? Yeah, publicity. Okay. So, yeah, uh, and then, I don't know, then that's when Eric Stevenson got involved, and I mean, I don't know. I think you see people with who are doing cool work, and I think the cool thing about Image is that that's basically all it's about, um, and you know, having them retain their rights and stuff like that. And I knew what Brandon was going through, um, but I mean, Eric is really—I mean, he was so—I mean, he—he's really an unsung hero in a lot of ways on a lot of stuff. But with King City, I mean, that guy—I mean, he went to bed, and, and I—he's I'm, wholly responsible. I don't know if he wants me to say this, but responsible for me having my career. You know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, Stevenson so. is really, and it's—it was really amazing to interact with Image after, because I'd had a fairly long comic book interaction. I've like my—I've been doing comics professionally for right. ten years or whatever before then, and interacting with Image is—it was amazing because it was—it was like there was no just like we're having a meeting about your work on Wednesday. It was just like Stevenson being like, "All right, let's do it." Yeah, um, the movie thing I was—I was quoting earlier about the statistics was from a, a speech Steve Soderbergh gave, and the other thing I, I feel is, is relevant to Image beyond why it's so much better to do comics is uh, Stevenson especially kind of believes in horses, not races uh, in terms of working with talent and, you know, really believed in me when, I mean, I don't think, I, I mean, I, before Hell Yeah, I had done a couple short stories and stuff like that, you know, um, and then he gave me the, the big break or gave him, I mean, and really in a way, both of us a kind of huge break with the extreme stuff. Um, now, for folks that don't know what the extreme stuff was, um, Give, give us a conceptual idea. A conceptual, so way back in the heyday of the early 90s, uh, Image Comics started with all the big-name artists and writers that were working at Marvel. And DC Comics, at least the people <clears throat> who were brave enough to, to make their own comics. And uh, one of those guys was Rob Liefeld, who started, was I think this was, it was the first Image book with Youngblood number one. And from that, I mean, it was so successful. I mean, all, all the books were at the time that they, they launched. I mean, Rob was able to launch a whole line of characters, and he was such, I mean... Uh, I like his work. I like his work a lot, and I think the thing he gets really undervalued for is being such a great idea man. And like, um, and he created all these. I mean, just huge volume of characters. And so they kind of went away after a while. And then I remember it was November 2010, I think, when after a little, I was going freelance for a little while. Stevenson sent me this email, and all it said was like, "Hey, I got a really weird idea. Do you have time to talk?" And I was like, "Sure, of course." And he was like, what we want to do, we want to bring back those old extreme characters, him and Rob, and we want to bring, like, kind of newer and different talent people you wouldn't expect to, to go with it. Uh, and he wanted me to pitch on Glory. And then we were talking, and he was like, you know, they, about what else they want to do. And they're like, with Profit, we kind of want to do a more sci-fi angle. And I was like, dude, the best sci-fi book is, is published by Image. It's King City. And... Then we talked to you at Emerald City Comic Con, right? I think there's a long process before that, but also you're very nice, Joe. But um, mm. there's a long process before that where because you were working on Glory for a long time, and I was I was talking to you. Yeah, well, you're helping me. We're it. trying to figure out like uh, I mean, yeah, we, we don't we bad idea because once you became the 
once you were introduced to even the idea of extreme, you're the only other person I had besides Eric and, and Rob to, to bounce ideas off of. And so we're talking about glory conceptually uh, and, you know, who to bring on. And you were the one who hooked me up with, uh, with Ross. Um, right, yeah, Ross, Ross Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, because I talked about Ross Campbell, excuse me, yeah, uh, from Wet Moon over at Oni Press. Yeah, I mean, Ross, um, you know, I should back up. I, I had very concrete ideas in terms of what I want to do with Glory uh, in terms of the overall concept, and I wanted her to look like a warrior, and I wanted her to be a badass because she was a badass, and that was it, you know what I mean? And I really wanted to work with someone who could really convey that. And, yeah, you're the one who was like, hey, you should check out Ross Campbell stuff, and I was like, I'd seen Wet Moon, I liked it, and then you were talking about going to his DeviantArt, and I was astonished, man. Like, he had all these really cool pieces I've never... I, I, it was like fan art, right? For like, I mean, he did this Kitty Pride piece that was the thing I sent to Stevenson, who was like, oh my god, this is the guy. Yeah, Ross is really a really fanta- uh, fantastic and interesting artist, just in <clears> yeah. how he thinks about characters and how he thinks about the readers and the kind of the diversity that he's yeah. putting into it and how much he's thinking about... Um, I think he puts a lot of thought into thinking about like what it would be like, to, what it's like to be a female comics reader, or what it's like to be underrepresented, and, and he really like you know he's like the opposite of a Milo Minar or whatever that draws the same character over and well, over. Well, I mean that's that's one thing I really wanted out of the cast of Glory was just a huge amount of diversity in, in all sorts of ways and people and backgrounds and like I wanted to be an international book, and he was someone who really took who who was really conscious of that and like fashion, and he got me really into like. Um, something I'm obsessing over with my, my next uh, creator own book is the fashion of the characters and like what that means and like uh, you know how it looks. And I all came from collaborating with Ross, and I don't know that Glory would be the book it became. Like I feel like especially the first half of Glory is what we planned out, and the second half is what it became because of our collaboration. I mean, originally there's sort of a myth about Glory and that you know it was ended outside of our control. In fact, is both Eric and Rob Liefeld told us to keep going if we wanted to, but with working with Ross, we figured. It wasn't this big story. It was a story about these these two these two people, Glory and uh, one of the main characters, Riley Barnes. And once that story came to an end, why continue it? And he really, I mean, that was the thing. I, I would always think about plot and, and the bigger picture and stuff like that. But Ross, one thing that he taught me more than anything else was the how the, all the small character stuff can 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 be as you know all all the. I mean, this is gonna sound like really corny. And I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna get a bunch of shit for this, but. Just how the small character moments, like, that's the big epic stuff more than, like, all the stuff exploding. Which, there's still tons of stuff exploding in all my books. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I think that's that's really intelligent. Because I always, always, people in comics, it's really funny, people get so guarded about their big ideas. And I'm always like, it doesn't. It doesn't like, matter. Ideas are bullshit. They're, they're yeah. worthless. It's execution is everything. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of things. You know, I mean, I, uh, I'm I'm not saying good books don't come out of this, but I feel people get so stuck on, oh, I just got this idea and it's this means this, and it's like that means nothing. Like that's like an empty shell of an but idea. But what if it was on acid? Oh, yeah. or <laughs> in the twilight zone, which is like you're not Rod Serling. Like, I got a okay. I got an idea. We're gonna put. Tom Cruise in the future, yeah, and he's exactly. a clone, and uh, it's going to be a movie. <laughs> well, and, we walked uh, by there filming a TV show, and Joe told us the premise of it, and it was so Yeah, hilarious. it was the Carl Urban show, yeah. where he's like... He's almost a, human. Almost human, where he's like, he's a detective, and he's got a robot sidekick. And it's like, it sounds like a <laughs> bad... But he hates robots. Who was that actor on The Simpsons? Troy McClure. It sounds like a bad <laughs> Troy McClure. You know, I totally didn't think you were serious. Like I thought you were totally <laughs> screwing with me. <laughs> No, right when you walk into your building. It's called Hot and Cold. Dennis Hotz, a, a police detective who hates... 
It is robot head. Cold, cold zero 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 seven is a <laughs> is a by the book robot. Yeah. I got an image book. We got a picture. Book. Yeah. <laughs> can we get Eric Stevens on the line now? Uh, you can gotta... text him and he can call in. Uh, no reminder, folks. I am talking to Joe Keating, joined by Brandon Graham and Ash. I don't actually know your last name, Ash. Oh, um, Ash H G is my name. H G. Yeah, I have uh, two last names, so I'm dealing with. That is, uh, that you've got like the coolest name. <laughs> my name is Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, He's Brandon. Well, there's a little. I mean, dealing when I was dealing with uh, editors and putting uh-huh. stuff out, it became too complicated to say. My real name is Ashley. Um, Ashley. Um, Ash H G E. Plus, yeah. um, I don't like um, the whole internet. Yeah, the internet. Real name. Some. I kind of have some paranoia about that, so uh-huh. I kept it like. I have my privacy still. I should have government name. My ri- actually, my Joe Keating is my pen name. My, my birth name is Laser B McQuaid. So, <laughs> which, which what was the name you had for Jeffrey Brown? What I don't I don't think I had a name for. Jeffrey No, we had Brown. a name for Jeffrey Brown. I don't know. I like you, Jeffrey. No, no, no. He was he was there. It was like, oh, it's like good radio. Laser Bolt or something. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is good radio. What was the name for that guy that we came up with three years ago? <laughs> we were with at Stumptown or whatever. Right. Yeah, I hate I you. <laughs> um, Are you drawing penises in front of I drew one earlier and made a note for Joe. That's my note. All right. Nice. Oh, sorry, I made a lot of noise here. Uh, Ink Stud CITR 101.9 FM. Um, just oh, and you can hit, hit up Robin on Twitter at Ink Studs if you want to uh, ask Joe any questions. <laughs> that means i got to open my Twitter. That's right, you do. Oh, yeah, there we um, go. And if you want to call in, you can call in at 604-822-2487. I think Ash has a question. Come closer to the you mic, You can actually Ash. send Ash questions on his MySpace profile. <laughs> and my CompuServe number is 956813214 at CompuServe.com. So feel free to send questions there as well. Did you, did you find it uh, limiting to work on the, the Hulk? No, I mean, with the editors and stuff. No, no, no. I mean, I think there's a, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I've just been lucky and I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't feel any need to hold back. Uh, my, I should get, I should back up a little bit more. Uh, so <laughs> glory came out and that was a thing like glory. I mean, hell yeah. kind of got me glory. Cause they're like, okay, you want to write comics? You're writing hell yeah. Do glory. I, I love mean, the puns you have there. Thanks man. <laughs> hell yeah. Got you glory. <laughs> um, and Brandon's like holding it in. He's shaking. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, so that got me, the, and then the glory got me, the, the Mar- Mar- Marvel hit me up, and uh, specifically uh, Steve Wacker, and uh, they wanted me to do another book, the Stanos thing, it didn't work out, because I don't know, some movie stuff or whatever, I don't really know or care. <clears throat> what I do know and care about is that Steve really took care of me, and he was like, hey man, I want you to do this new book, so I did a book called Morbius, and it was basically, I learned how to work with Marvel Comics and stuff like that, and I had a um, Steve and his editor, Sana Amant, who helped me out a lot. And it was the cool, it was like, okay, this is how Marvel works, and I got to figure it out. Because it is different than Image. Because, oh. like, in the end, I don't own any of these characters. I can't just do whatever. Sure. You know, um, you know even on Glory, you know, that, that, that I mean, it was basically, it was given the freedom of, like, a creator-owned type of book. But anyway, so on Hulk, they liked what I was doing a lot on, on, on Morbius. They're like, okay, for four issues, you and Peter Kowalski, like, just do whatever you want with the Hulk. You did show me some stuff that, that didn't make it through today. That uh-huh. was that was the Hulk ripping uh, giant infants in two. Well, I should I should be clear. Yeah, we'll get to uh, that. <laughs> oh, gee, I wonder why that didn't make it in, Brandon. Well, no, I had I was I was mm. I was liked in Akira how Tetsuo just turned into a giant baby, 
And the thing with Marvel Knight Hulk, there's kind of a misconception. People are like, oh, it's Hulk in France, it's Euro Comics Hulk, which is true for the first issue. But what I wanted to have is that each issue evolves into something else, transforms into something else, kind of like the Hulk. And uh, what, is, what happens to the beret when he turns into the Hulk? So, anyway, so the first issue... <laughs> turns into a breadstick. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, the first issue is kind of Euro comic stuff. The second issue is, is manga stuff. Um, and I, I was like, oh, I want a cool big Tetsuo baby thing in there, you know? And uh, Peter drew it, and it was just like a baby. Like, it was like, it was a, and it looked cool. It was a badass-looking baby. And then in my script, I had it, the baby was going to, Hulk was going to tear up this, this Tetsuo thing, but not an actual baby. So I got pencils in. But it looked cool. I mean, the final book has been awesome. Um, they've, I mean, beyond stuff like that, it's been really, fr- it's been really freeing, you know? I mean, I can't just, like, kill the Hulk or whatever and Bruce Banner's dead at the end. Sure. But as long as I put the toys back into the sandbox the way I gave them to me, I could do whatever I want. And, uh, you know, I've worked at other companies, and we could talk about that, um, where it wasn't as, as freeing, but I think Marvel, the thing about Marvel is there are two things. One is, I feel, and this is my, my experience as a creator, they're not, they're not afraid of what, what the characters are. They're, they're not afraid of superheroes and... In my experience, they, 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 they find a talent that they want for that book and kind of let that talent, for the most part, you know, do what, a, what, what the talent or the, or the writer and artist and whatever um, does best, you know. Um, that has been, that's been my experience. And then when you get old, they sue you. Yeah, well. Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, be nice to Joe today. I'm being nice. I'm just, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I do. I mean, that's why I also have my image stuff, you know. Um, is it collected in all four? Vo- is it a? a gra- it's a, a gra- it's a mini novel? series. That'll be a yeah. That'll okay. be a, I, I assume it'll be a hardcover, or soft cover, or something. Right. something. I think it's time for another music break. All right, let me set this up. All so right, Rekka Rekka, and we'll make sure the mics are off, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, we'll be right back. at your doorstep. Pulse amplification, temper with napalm, I want y'all to stay calm. 
alien annihilation. I stay off to the grill piece and kill beats. 20% matter, 30% is energy. Assembling to become a living being. Evaporate to radiation phase to station. I get high, you say, Right, all right, all right. I gotta be careful. I don't want to sound like what's his name. All right. I can't even think of his name. Quagmire? Matthew McConaughey. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. It's always so, a danger. <laughs> it's always, well, you know, I look like him. Um, and it's something I have yeah, to deal it, with every day is my. Uh, it is weird sitting with you and not like, wow, I love your work. I know. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> what was the movie he did? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> uh. <laughs> If, if you were like, we're not gonna, we're gonna get dead air until you figure out the Matthew McConaughey movie, <laughs> we would ruin his radio. Marley station. and me was that him? I don't. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> Muggles and me. Um, I have a uh, internet question from sure. Sandra Lands. Uh-huh. Sandra asks, does Joe feel like his writing is involved, and does he see it heading in a particular direction as he keeps working on new things? That's a good question. Nope. Next question. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> hey, Joe, how's it feel to be a dick? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think you, yeah, you have to. You know what I mean? Like, I think where I was on uh, Glory versus uh, when it started versus where it ended is, is very different. Uh, and like I said, I think, uh, you know, working with my collaborators, um, I think a better example is this. Like, Hell Yeah was a book that uh, and I'm very, very proud of, and I'm very proud of Andre Zamanovich, uh, which I've known for years, and I was butchering his last name. But... That was a book about why I loved 
in, in part, I mean, about other things, why I loved Image Comics and superhero comics. And not, and not wrestling. so much... wrestling? Uh, not so much wrestling. There, there isn't a book like that in me. But you don't love it. wrestling, Joe? I do love wrestling. Um, <laughs> both professional and amateur. <laughs> uh, Erotic. <laughs> and, oh, uh, we got plans for later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so my next image... And so it's very much about the comics I loved growing up. Whereas my next thing, my next image book is very much where I want to go with comics. You know, that's very much more forward thinking. Not, and again, there's nothing wrong with uh, with Futelia at all, but you know, it's just it, it, what I'm writing now is very different. And I'm also in my creator own stuff, venturing um, like away from superhero stuff, where I thought I would, uh, which I, I still love superheroes. I'm obviously still writing them at, at Marvel, but um, you know. Um, it's it's not so much where I want to take my creator own work. So yeah, that's definitely changed. It's definitely evolved. That, and I, and I, I feel every book evolves the more you go along because I feel like why I love working on comics. Period is the collaboration aspect of it, and um, you know where things go from there. Like the book I have coming out uh, through Image earlier next year was originally going to be a very I guess grounded type of series. Um, you know, very much like kind of real world stuff. And when I saw the artist's work. She just blew me away, and I was just like, I, "Why would I just have you draw the real world?" You know, so it became a much more fantastical thing, and it very much influenced, um, you know, my uh, my writing. So yeah, no, absolutely. Brendan had a question. Oh yeah, I was gonna. Um, I noticed Joe when you started out, uh, hell yeah, specifically in Glory, you had these really long, just like you're like planning on doing your Savage Dragon, yeah, essentially. And I'm kind of interested in hearing you talk about your perception of how comics have changed from working on comics as opposed to being a fan of them for so long. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I think Gloria's sort of the best example where I had these huge plans, and just by working on the book, I just realized I don't want to do that, you know? Um, and I've seen a lot, again, like you were saying, you know, it changes when, 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 you're, when you're working in comics versus when you're not, because you, you see a lot of people who don't know when to leave the party, you know, and with Glory, I was like, people still ask if they can do more Glory or whatever, and uh, I, I'd rather they ask that than, oh yeah, your first 12 issues of Glory was awesome, but then you did, you know, 50 more and they were kind of lame. And the truth of the matter is, like, when I look back, the original ideas to have the continued Glory, I, it was like different books. So I was like, well, why don't I just do a ton of cool different books with different collaborators and yeah. as opposed to, like, do... I mean, I think I've got... Uh, a savage dragon in me, so to speak. I don't think I'm, I want to do it now. You know, uh, this next image book has the potential to be that, but I, I think I just want to concentrate on telling a cool story. And if, if it takes uh, a year and a half or two years, that's awesome. If it goes longer because we're we're into it, then 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 yeah. Um, but I mean, like you know, I mean, as a reader, I mean, Savage Dragon. We should get into that a little bit. Well, you, uh, Brandon, told me this, but you. Ran a fan club? No, 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 no. So, who ran a fan club? <laughs> it, was a, it was a, it was a, um... Sorry, it was a sing-along, what's it Savage called? Dragon the, the, themed group? It was a, um, it was a, a uh, clubhouse, group? I believe. Well, no, oh, I mean, in a tree? I have no shame in yeah. my, of, of any of this. I just want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Jim Dimonakis, who runs, um, uh, Emerald City Comic Con, yeah, yeah. uh, he ran a listserv. That's <laughs> how far back this is going. called, like, I think it was just, like, the Savage Dragon online fan club. And I believe I was one of the first 10, first 20 people to get in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just... That's like zero ground for some uh, some ace uh, <laughs> comic book movers and shakers. <laughs> yeah, no, there, were, there was, I mean, Augie uh, Dublique 
from CBR is on there. There's a few other guys on there. I think that's a good approach you're taking and just working on things in a particular pace. Well, more of an author approach of doing the yeah, story and moving on to the next one. I yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely what what's, what interests me now as opposed to when I when I came in, because like I was saying earlier, it's like with comics you can do you can do anything, you know. And I don't want to be a guy who's known for or you're just the superhero guy or you're just the crime guy or whatever. You know, um, I want to do a whole different type of stuff. I mean, I'm even thinking about someday even drawing my own stuff. Um, I just love the medium so much that I, I want to just keep going. And, yeah. you know, whatever comes from that is great. But I just love just, just just working in it and however I'm working in it. And, you know, maybe years from now I'll end up working <coughs> back on the publishing side again. Or maybe I'll do I don't even know. But I, I just know that. You'll start your Mobius Live Serve. What's that? You'll start a Mobius listserv. I'm surprised it doesn't happen already. Um, Ian McEwen kind of has that locked in with his Tumblr. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I just, no matter what I'm doing in my life, comics will always be the, 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 the center of it. And currently, that's, I love, yeah, just trying, writing different ways, you know. Um, you were talking earlier about the, the Savage Dragon yeah, yeah. thing, and you didn't finish. Yeah, well, you're right. Yeah, no, I just, the Savage Dragon was incredibly informative on me. Because it was, uh, and still, it still is, because it was one guy doing his vision without anyone else. I mean, there was a colorist and a letterer, even sometimes it was Eric doing both. I love that he went back and redrew, like there was some fill-in issues. Yeah, so th- they did an Image X month, and where everyone changed books, and Jim Lee did issues of Savage Dragon number 13, and it drove Eric so nuts that his run was broken, he went back, like, I think it was on issue 20 at the time. He went back and drew issue 13. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you know how um, sometimes buildings won't have a 13th floor because it's unlucky? That would right. be kind of cool to do no uh, 13th issue. Yeah. You know, I liked it. you know what I like from that image thing? Sorry, just sure. a little digression. Rob Liefeld's Shadowhawk issue. Yeah. I thought it was crazy. Yeah. It was, was really like, cool. it was so interesting, you know, this coming from me, who will next week probably interview the most obscure mini-comic guy. Yeah. Um, I really like that one. Yeah, it's good. He, he oh. didn't like Jim Lee's. No, no, he had no problem with Jim Lee. Hold on. He, yeah, but I'm saying, it was it was just the fact that he intended to do Savage. I mean, and still does intend to do Savage Dragon his whole life. Uh-huh. And there was one issue that he didn't draw. Oh, oh, you mean he redrew that? He, gotcha. yeah, he gotcha. like he didn't like read like it was like right. a whole different story. Wait, wait, who drew Wildcats thing. that month? Uh, Wildcats. I'm not sure. Uh, was, well, it Eric was, was Eric Larson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He did. He cool. basically an issue of Freak Force yeah. in Wildcats. Yeah, but cool. I just I was like I learned so much about the form of of comic storytelling that you know even stuff that's like it's more effective surprise on the left hand page that every page is its own unit and every panel is its own unit and everything needs to progress in some way. Yeah, it's interesting. Me and you have had big debates about this because you yeah. learned because Larson is so trained in Kirby era comics, right. yeah, and yeah, I come yeah. from such kind of a manga background that like right. you'll talk about like. You got to end. You want to make a page turn, and I was like, "That, that is, I don't. Nobody cares." <laughs> and, yeah, that's and, more but an Eisner no, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I completely agree with Larson on on, on this one. Yeah, I've you never. Know. It's weird. I've never thought about a page turn in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I very much do. In the sense that uh, each page is supposed to be a single unit. Or I think you think. Well, you have the but... you'll, you'll turn the page and bam, oh, so you'll have that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, gotcha. Yeah, you know, have, oh, like I mean, basically, like if you have a surprise on the right hand page. And you, you you open up the spread, you're already distracted by the right hand page, so that you don't you don't really even look there at the left hand page. There was a thing that I think Bob Shrek said something like manga tells the story in American comic books internal. I'm probably quoting this wrong, but it was a good uh, I think explanation for the difference between American comic yeah. books and manga. Interesting. No, yeah, I mean, I imagine like, that's big, broad, general. Yeah, it is, but I mean, uh, I yeah. think what he was saying generally is 
there is a, a clear difference between the two. Yeah. Well, I think also it's, it, you know, it's hard to make a definitive definition of North American comics. It's well, hard I mean, especially to make now, a like, definition there is, of manga. But I don't like the cheap tricks I usually see in American comic books where they usually... Like, the, but what is American comics? Too. I mean, this is the thing I was getting about earlier about the labels I think now are so arbitrary and irrelevant. You know, what's... Is Robert Crumb underground anymore? He's published by the biggest book publishers in the, the world. Well, he, t- him and Chris Ware sell better than Marvel and DC, yeah. so, you know... But at yeah. that point, underground doesn't mean underground. It means it's just what the name for that type of work is. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, still go to know, the head shops for my issues of Zap. To, to, I, I to, went into a, 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 a friend of mine who was buying a pipe, and I was so upset there weren't like Zap comics in there because yeah. I always had these this fictional idea of what a head shop would be like. Yeah, I mean, to this day, you know, stuff like Walking Dead and, and, and Saga still get referred to as indie comics, and they don't <clears> sell so much at, at any other publisher. You know, yeah, it's indie in the sense that it's, I guess, the like uh, yeah. Brandon was saying, the, and you can just yeah, say non corporate comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, now, like, I, I think I think Saga is a more mainstream book than most comics being published these days. I feel like that's a book I'll give most people, you know, uh-huh. as opposed to. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't know that the average person in the street would be able to get into whatever giant crossover is coming like Villains Month. Like, really, was like, sure. if you, you think as average yeah. person on the street is going to give a crap about <laughs> Villains Month? Me and Ash were talking about. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about um, oh, Spider-Man. Oh, and you're just like, yeah, you know, kids getting into... Kids love Spider-Man. And I was like, you know, Peter Parker isn't Spider-Man right now. It's like Dr. Octopus. <laughs> now, uh, Joe, yeah. reminder, we've been talking to Joe Keating, John Brandon Graham, and Ash HG. Um, we're near the end of our hour. So, Joe, it will be at the Heritage Hall on Sunday from 11 to 5. Right. Uh, joined by Edmund Brisson, right. Johnny Christmas. Anyone else? Uh, Jason Copeland. Jason be Copeland, who uh, had a Daredevil issue announced. Congratulations, oh. Jason. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's he's cool. doing, a, one of the, doing a fill-in issue oh, on that. Oh, good on him. That's a good, that's a good pedigree. <clears throat> and Brandon, are you going to pop by the show? Uh, I might be going to the Quarter Bin comics. Yeah. He likes a good Quarter Bin. You know what I got in Tacoma? A Dime Bin. That's that sounds awesome. Just exists to shame me. I and and I found in there, I found some cool stuff, and I picked up a uh, Dark Horse Presents with a Mignola story, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I'll give that to Farrell because he's there." Farrell right. Dalrymple's a big Mignola fan. And I'm showing some friends he has like tattoos. It was signed by Mignola. Nice. I'm like, was it just one bin, or was it? A- it was a table, a oh, table, wow. ten cent table. Yeah, that's a good life. So, thank you, Joe, so yeah. much for coming up. Thanks for um, having me, man. Do your first. Is your first issue of the Hulk out? Or yeah, uh, first issue of the Hulk comes out in uh, December. I think it's like December 13th or 11th, <coughs> somewhere around there. So. Or as they say in France, December. Uh, thanks. Oh, thanks. Uh, wee, wee, wee. Uh, get your phone <laughs> thing there going again. We'll play a song and uh, we'll get rolling. Ooh, do the ad say, like, you wouldn't like me when I'm French? And then he's like, go away, Brandon. <laughs> oh. Okay, thank you so much, Joe. It was good to see you, buddy.
Pop, Pop. 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 Pop.